0: This is Claudia Gray, and you're listening to Don't Burn the Sacred Text.
1: A long time ago, in a galaxy far,
0: far away, this is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi. All rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack. Princess Leia addressed them. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told
2: me you killed him. No, I am your father. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon. I am happy to be here with you for the first episode of 2021, and I could not do it without my co-host. She is as fearless as Boba Fett cooking a five-course meal of Sarlacc and crate Dragon steak with a side of uh, pearl, maybe, in the Dark Cave uh, on, uh, on Dagobah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Lindsay.
0: Oh, man, oh, man. And, you know, it's going to be the first of probably so many this year. It's oh. a big year for Star Wars books.
2: God, I cannot wait. We got, what, two days at the time of this recording uh, till uh, Light of the Jedi comes out? And uh, those of you who are uh, are hardcore and had it on pre-order are already uh, probably reading it, which is going I be did.
1: exciting. I did get it pre-ordered on Audible because that's I, I generally listen now. I'll probably buy it for my collection, but I got it pre-ordered and I am I'm chomping at the bit. Like I can't wait for the High Republic. I I, I I'm just I'm so excited that we're finally getting this. Um, we were supposed to get it like what a month and a half ago. Or something like November was the original something date. Like, yeah, yeah, originally. And I'm am, I'm am so ready to go, especially with Charles Soule. Uh, that that's a huge deal for me because Charles Soule and Claudia Gray are probably equal when it comes to my love of their writing style. They have two different, completely different writing styles, but I like those are the first two coming out, and they're coming out so close. It's like what is going on? It's kind of insane. It's pretty exciting. It's going to be a good
2: ride, and um, for those of you who uh, are going, hey, those sultry tones, I don't recognize that voice, that, of course, is our good friend, the Lord of Lore, Zach Christman from Sith Talk. Uh, he is joining us tonight to talk about a book that he has... You, you haven't really shut up about Zach about how much you've enjoyed uh, the book we're going to talk about today, which is uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Certain point of view, uh, so that's going to be exciting to get into. Um, but like you said, we do have the High Republic coming out. It does feel like it doesn't feel like a movie release necessarily, but it does feel like uh, almost like like a new season of Rebels. You know, was coming out where you're like, I have a while of like. I'm getting good stuff, and I know I'm getting good stuff, which is really exciting. And honestly, I've seen nothing but good reviews from everybody um, who's got the advanced reader copies. Um, so yeah, it it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. I went through. Um, all the pre-announced stuff on uh, on Wikipedia uh, last week, and just made sure I had everything pre-ordered. And I was missing a couple of like the kids' books and stuff. But I really want to make sure I get everything uh, when it comes to High Republic and have that that complete set. It's going to be really exciting.
1: Yeah, uh, um, I here- uh, I um, with the High Republic, uh, I I just hope that Lucasfilm doubles down. I think that this is going to be a big time era, and I love the way that they're marketing The Mandalorian as the same time, or the different shows. This is the same timeline as The Mandalorian. This is in the timeline of The High Republic. I am I just hope that they double down on it. I'm excited for what's to come, but I hope they double down on it. Well, and I think
2: with having the Acolyte announced during The High Republic era, like, I think they feel pretty confident in what they've got, uh, because if you think about, like, They've pre announced a lot of stuff uh where they're like, We're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and then they've disappeared. They've gone to different things. Mm-hmm. They, you know, uh directors got fired, all kinds of like just craziness behind the scenes. Um the Ryan Johnson trilogy, you know, was announced before the last Jedi came out and we still haven't heard anything about that. Um so the fact that they, they haven't released any High Republic stuff and they're already announcing Uh, something else during that era is it's it's definitely a confidence builder and i'm i'm really looking forward to it but we'll get into that we'll get into that later we got a lot to talk about today and uh i want to talk about real quick uh just do a quick little cheap plug it is the new year and uh so of course kids are heading back to school from break and um hopefully i feel like this is going to be a year where It actually feels like we're starting a new year in 2021 instead of just going back to a school year. And so with that in mind, we wanted to um, help kids out and help teachers out and really help them understand and know that they are are loved and appreciated and that we uh, care about their education and that it really does matter uh, through these these hard times and that. Even when maybe everybody else isn't looking out for them, we are taking those lessons from Star Wars and and looking out for them. So we will be running our uh, Return of the Reader fundraiser uh, coming here uh, next week, actually, uh, starting on January 11th, running through the end of the month. And this is going to be really cool because... We're going to be doing a raffle, and so um, there will be links available on our uh, website, on our Facebook group, uh, Star Wars Clashing Sabers, on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, everywhere uh, we're at, you'll be able to find it. Uh, But you can just enter the raffle, Uh, you can decide how many entries you want to buy, you can get entries for sharing, free entries for sharing, Uh, and then you'll be in the drawing to win, uh, I think we're at 10... Ten things right now. We've got three uh, paintings from uh, Roberto Venegas, Roberto underscore draws on Twitter. Uh, We have three Vanessa Marshall signed Hera posters, or prints rather. Uh, We have two Amy Ratcliffe signed books, a Jason Fry signed book, and uh, an advanced reader copy, speaking of the High Republic, of uh, Test of Courage signed by the author Justina Ireland. So... If any of that interests you or if you just want to be a good person and help out some kids, um, 100% of those funds raised will go to buying and shipping books um, to to students across the country. So stay tuned for that. There will be more on all of our shows for that. And like I said, all of our uh, links will be available anywhere we are at. But that's next week. We got this week. We got this book. Empire Strikes Back Certain Point of View. And there's so many stories to to talk about in this book and honestly I would be okay going through um, each of the stories because I, I generally really liked this book uh, which I was not expecting um, honestly and uh, but that's gonna take that that would take it a little bit too long so we're gonna do our uh, top three bottom three format and each of us is going to to share our three uh, least favorite and our three favorite stories in in the book but Before we do that, I kind of wanted to just get general impressions for you guys. So, Lindsay, compared to uh, the A New Hope certain point of view, how did you feel about Empire Strikes Back? Was it equal, better, worse? Where do you stand on that?
0: You know, in my gut reaction is that it's better. But I think the—I don't want to say issue because I enjoy these books, but the the thing that caught me off guard with the New Hope one— was actually, how do I say this? It was not the subject matter, but the tone. We'll say that the tone of a lot of them felt more joking, a little bit less serious than I had thought it was going to be. When this was announced, I was like, all 40 of these stories are going to change the game. And sure, two or three of them did and really added a lot of character depth, but I wasn't expecting you know, the mouse droid ones, things like that. So A New Hope kind of caught me off guard in some sense, whereas this one being more prepared, going into it, understanding what it was we were getting, made it not even just a more enjoyable read, but kind of a faster read because it was like, all right, here we go. (laughs) I know what I'm getting into. Let's just dive in.
2: That's a good point. I hadn't thought about the fact of like knowing what you're getting into going into it and how that might affect it. Because I, I really enjoyed this one and I kind of chalked it up to the fact that there's more characters that we kind of know uh, and had spent time with in other places and in other situations. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, that's actually, that surprised me. And, and I'm only gonna say, because I know it wasn't any of my top or bottom three and I'd be hard pressed to imagine that they're even either of yours. Um, but there's some stories where the characters are so closely related in the um, dark myths and fables that we had come out this year too. And I was like, I'm really surprised that they're using so many of these characters in these short story formats and kind of just recycling through all of them. I, I kind of thought going into this one, it would be more similar to the new hope one where it really is way, way out there left field characters but this one, like the, a lot of the characters were pretty close to the story and in things that we had seen before.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that was that was exciting. I mean, that made that honestly, you know, it didn't make the galaxy small. I think it it actually just made me more invested in the stories. So, uh, Zach, what about for you? Because you did audiobooks. so did you listen to the A New Hope one as well?
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I'll I'll say like I I generally consume a lot of my books through audio uh, through audible just because i i'm i'm not sharp to read by the end of the day i'm usually too tired and honestly i feel like if you struggle with books like these or you struggled with the first uh, from a certain point of view to try the audible version because it really it really takes you in and if, especially with this book i don't know if some of the if i would have been able to enjoy some of the really small stories um, as much if I were, if I was reading it um, but listening to it, I was able to really like reset or receive what they were going for. I was in, I I just felt like I was enjoying it a lot more because of the production value that they put into these audibles. Uh, I really felt like I was, uh, you know, listening to a short film and that, that was a big thing for me personally. So, I mean, aside from, I will say overall, I I think we did get some really good chapters on the last one, but it was a lot of really weird stuff. There was a lot of weirdness or too much canon connection. Um, and this one kind of tells, it's it's very close to the story. It has, I would say, less big chapters, like really big chapters that kind of enhance Empire Strikes Back. But when they are, they're big, And but the small stories connected are much, much better. There are so many little tiny stories that when you, at least when I was listening, I would hear the title and I'm like, ugh, this is probably going to be a throwaway one. And it shocked me, surprised me. I wanted more from these characters a lot of the times. So I, I always left wanting more of these characters that I just met, um which is a good sign because I know I didn't feel that way the last time. I really, I listened to the Yoda chapter of A New Hope last time and the From a Certain Point of View, um, or not From a Certain Point of View, I'm sorry, Master and Apprentice. That I still listen to. It's the best one in that book for me. But these had a lot more fun, smaller stories. And I really appreciated that. Because if you're going to do a book about smaller stories points of view of this movie make it great and I think overall they did
2: yeah I, it, it was a lot harder for me on this one to find my bottom three and uh, even my bottom three they're not like terrible stories uh, that I was was struggling through for the most part so let's go ahead and delve into it and uh, Lindsay I'll start with you we'll, we'll start with our bottom and for those of you who have uh, not listened to a top three bottom three format before basically what we're going to do is we're gonna go through our bottom three stories, which is basically ones we either didn't enjoy, uh, didn't think were worked, or would change that kind of thing, uh, and then we will get into our top three, which is our favorites or the ones that we thought uh, were were most important or most effective. So, Lindsay, start us out with your number three of the bottom.
0: All right. So, kind of similar to you, my even the ones that I picked for my bottom three, it's not so much that I just needed them, it really was they were throwaway ones for me if you will um, but I think my my number three bottom would have to be the will strike back and I know I said before yep, and here's why because I know that I said before that after the New Hope one it's kind of easier to understand what it is you're getting into and set those expectations but I'll never ever forget getting that copy of a new hope from a certain point of view and seeing that there was a chapter called, you know, the wills or whatever it was and just getting so excited for that story. And normally I will go in and take little peeks at the final pages. And this one, I was just so excited. I didn't at all. And to get it where it is just that Kind of spoof chapter was just really disappointing, and I feel like I just relived it all in this one like if you're gonna if you're gonna have a chapter about the wills, do it right, do it justice, don't have it as that throwaway, and especially don't have it at the very end where I just read 39 mediocre to great stories and then just have this joking one where where I feel like everything up before that is just null and void.
2: And there is a weird, like, it's the crawl at the end instead of at the beginning that they're going through. And yeah, it's not very, like, it's not very well-defined what the wills are. Like, yeah, that the whole situation was kind of kind of weird to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just, yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't really, it doesn't work super great. Um, I think maybe if we had more of a, like, um, the wills were actually like retelling the story. instead. of there's this weird back and forth between two characters that we don't, we don't even know who the characters are. We're just like, are these the wills and they're arguing or is this the wills telling something that's an outside, the wills are the outside force telling this story. Like it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic. So I get where you're coming from on that. Um, Zach, what about you? What's your, your bottom number three?
1: Well, this is going to be fun. Um, that was my bottom three. That was that was number three on my on my list. and my my views are generally the same as yours. Um, but I would also like to add that I think it was it, it doesn't get much better with audible. Actually, it's even more jarring because it's just you think you're gonna get the wills. and that's why I was so excited. I, I must have forgotten about it the the chapter last time. In the last book, um, so when the wills strike back, I'm like, okay, there's like gonna be a shift in the force, you know. After this movie, there's gonna be a huge tide. I want to know what the the wills are, what the force is doing, what is going on with that metaphysical part of Star Wars that we don't get, and it 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 simply was just me forgetting the way that they do it. But I was so off-putted because you're making the metal the metaphysical part of star wars the part that i love the most when it comes to star wars you're making it a joke and i get everything should be fun but there was a lot there was enough fun things in this book and i would argue that there wasn't enough like real meat when you got it it was great and it was amazing but i don't know i just i kind of thought the will should should have been something to be taken seriously because they do feels
0: like sacrilegious right
1: it, it it really does it, it's i and, and that's really all i can say honestly is well, like i was it, really excited for something
2: could it be a commentary more so on maybe how we you know create the we make these stories holier than thou and we take them a little too seriously
1: no because they they are the wills are the holier than thou part it's it's also I'm not saying like I was actually mad or upset because I wasn't, but it's taking um, the serious end of Star Wars and something that generally would change uh, the tie. It's taking the religious part of Star Wars and making a joke out of it. And fans are so hungry for the Force because we haven't gotten a whole lot of it that it was just a chapter I was looking forward to. And it's like, oh, yet again, we make fun of the force. We make fun of the Jedi and we make fun of the tide. I, I don't know. I just didn't see. Cause here, here's how I kind of
2: read it in my head. And maybe that made me not like really dislike it as much as you guys is. I was reading it more like the, uh, the Greek gods in the Disney version of Hercules, you know, where they're kind of, yes, they're the, the Greek gods and they're all powerful, but they're also a little like r- silly and goofy. Um, and so maybe reading it, maybe the way I read it in my head, kind of influenced. Because I I didn't love it. Uh, I wish they had made it more of an actual like this is how the story has impacted the force, and uh, you know the wills are basically the force telling you how the events have altered, you know the, the course of the future or something like that would have been, would have been cool.
1: Right, and so with my. With my thoughts on the Wills, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is the Wills were like a fun thing that George Lucas was going to put in but then took out. And when Disney got Star Wars, they kind of doubled down a little bit on the Wills. And they're kind of a force MacGuffin, much like the Mortis. You know, what's going on with the family during the Empire Strikes Back or, you know, stuff like that. Like, they're, they're kind of a MacGuffin and we don't know a lot about them. So when you use them sparingly, But when you're using them, you're making them a joke. It kind of defeats the fun mystery of what they are supposed to be. That's what I'm trying to say.
2: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, not letting the uh, Darth Vader and Boba Fett dance at like Disney weekends kind of things anymore because you don't want them to be taken as a joke. But then you're also uh, still publishing books like um, the Darth Vader and Son and those ones, you know, where you are making him a joke and it's like to me that's fine I, I i'm okay with it but it does you know putting it in the perspective of mortis it does make it kind of interesting where yeah this this should be something that is is more important if you're going to be using it as sparingly as you are uh who knows who knows maybe <sighs> I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I can't really defend it that much. I'm not going to even <laughs> try anymore. Um, so the one for me is uh, the Naturalist on Hoth by Hank Green. Um, this is the one about the basically the the Tauntaun keeper, and I I appreciate the idea of this person who is outcasted from their family relating to these animals that are considered not important in the whole scheme of the galaxy. But I don't think that connection was developed strongly enough, and I don't think it really hit home. So it's not that this is even a bad story. It's well written. It's well thought out. It's just not a good one. Uh, I don't even want to say that. It's not an interesting one, um, considering we already had a really good story about the Tauntaun and the Wampa earlier in the book. And one of my, my issues with these certain point of view books, and I brought this up with uh, A New Hope is spending too much time in one place. We spent like in A New Hope, we spent like seven chapters in the cantina going to all these different people instead of spending more time in the Death Star Trench run or things like that that really mattered. And this one, I felt like we, we spent too much time in the setup on Hoth rather than the actual things that move the story along on Hoth. And like I said earlier, uh, you know, with the, with the characters Empire is this movie where you get a bunch of really interesting side characters, and you you have a bulk of them on Hoth for the battle between the rebellion and the empire. So I wanted more time with those people um, who, I guess, are I don't want to say matter because um, you know there's the there's a story in later uh, about the the cook you know and he ends up having a, a route to save people and, that, and that's an important like people matter kind of story but I wanted more time with the people who were in the trenches you know like I would have liked to have instead of this have a chapter about one of those people we see going into the trench or you know whatever so it's not that this was a, it was a bad one but it just it, it was superfluous and it's not as good as the one surrounding it so it kind of just Fell completely flat for me.
0: Yeah, man. I will say this was actually my number two.
2: Oh, okay. Well, tell us
0: why. I mean, it's it's kind of those similar reasons. I felt like we spent so much time on Hoth, and this didn't really give us anything new. Especially because I think it's it's not in my top three, but I actually really enjoyed the one. I think Amy Ratcliffe did it, where it's um like the reporter who's yes. following the rebel the Rebel Alliance around. I felt like that meant to be a very similar setup, but with more meat to it. And this was kind of like the the diet version of that. This was like the gluten-free version of that.
2: Yeah. I mean it That story with uh, you know, the propaganda person from the rebellion that Amy Ratcliffe wrote, yeah, like that was it's like my number four. Not even it's like my number three and a half. It just barely didn't make my list because it was it was great um and yeah like i said like it's the things it's surrounded by on hoth are done so well and so effectively that maybe reading this in isolation it would be okay you know if it was something that got like released on star Wars.com on its own as a fun little you know here's a short story from hoth or whatever but when you look at it in the scope of things it, it does kind of it kind of falls on its face uh lindy did you have anything else to say on on that particular one
0: not really it, okay. it felt like the probably the most of a throwaway for me
1: yeah
2: that's fair that's fair uh yeah. so zach that sends it over to you buddy and you're number two
1: um so i'm i swear i have a heart um but my number two will be She Will Keep Them Warm by Delilah
2: Dawson. Wow.
1: Oh Listen, my. It, no, you very well written. I just didn't care. I'm sorry. I kind of get that,
0: dude. And like what? Are you kidding? You Delilah? No. And you know, you know, Delilah Dawson is probably my favorite Star Wars author, which is like <laughs> I, I love her so much. I really do. I freak out over her, and that's why it kills me that I didn't like that story more. But that and the, like the Tauntaun ones and and the Droid ones, like these are the stories that I don't necessarily care for in these books because they make it seem a little bit sillier.
1: Yeah, I mean, animal like obviously, I'm not saying like animals don't matter in star wars of course they matter but what i guess what i'm trying to say is when i'm watching empire strikes back i don't want to be like oh that little tauntaun in the background getting blasted yeah i i know where they are from and he's got a little family too man that, that, that's just too much sadness that's like that's like marley and me like i don't want to feel the marley <laughs> and me sadness when tauntauns are getting blown up it's a little too close to home and i just like i said it's very well written I just did not need it at all.
0: Yeah, it's not that it's yeah. bad.
1: I will reserve statement.
0: But uh, I want to okay. hear the statement.
2: Oh, the, state- <laughs> the statements are
1: coming. Um, but I will.
0: <laughs> so so not reserved. Okay.
1: Um, this is the last time I'll be on this show. He'll <laughs> never invite
2: me again. <laughs> no, I'm more shook that like Lindsay's. Doesn't have Delilah Dawson because I
0: love Delilah Dawson. I was sh- I actually, actually, you know, let me say this before I forget. But you're going to notice in my top three, I really and truly thought it was going to be like the Christy Golden one, the Delilah Dawson one, and maybe like the Ke- Kevin Scott one. You know, like the the typical the hard great hitters. Star Wars authors, yeah. And and what shocked me was as much as I loved all of them and you know John Jackson Miller all of them, I think my top three are all kind of new to Star Wars.
2: Interesting. Um, now I'm looking at mine. My, mine's two out of
0: three.
2: Okay. Well, I'll let I'll let you guys decide what the is. but until now I'm then, wondering
0: because I actually, yeah, I actually was trying to guess what your top three would be because I was like, there, there's going to be so much crossover.
2: <laughs> probably, probably. Um, I'll be, I'll be interested to see if you guys, if anybody has this one because this is one that I feel my number two is one that I feel kind of was another just kind of throwaway story that could fly under the radar, but really didn't work for me, and that was uh, the Final Order by Seth Dickinson, and the the main reason the first problem really that i have for for this one is the name because when you say the final order it's too for me it's too reminiscent of rise of skywalker and it gave me this expectation of it setting up some kind of through line or something that wasn't there and i mean it it flops for me mostly because characters which y'all know that's what i'm about they were just really bland. Um, it made it hard to keep track of who was who and what the dynamic was and who was above who. And, I mean, honestly, like, bureaucracy is just not very interesting to me when you consider that, again, there's all this other stuff going on in Empire Strikes Back, all these other Imperials that we could spend time with, and instead we're spending time with just these people who... uh I don't know, just don't seem very important to me, who uh, don't even seem to make an impact in their own story, kind of, um, which is, is unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Dude, I got to be honest. When you said that, I actually just had to open up the book to remind myself which story that even was.
2: Yeah, it was just, it was, and, and I think to be, to be completely fair, I think expectation put this on the bottom of my my bottom three uh, because you have the final order and a star destroyer is the image that you have there. And so automatically I'm like, okay, they're going to make some connective tissue here. Uh, And instead it's just, it's bureaucracy. It's about the empire and how it allows the, the poodoo to float to the top. Like, just don't need that and and it's kind of like the and i know a lot of people liked it in the a new hope one but the guy who does all the paperwork and knows all the loopholes of what paperwork to fill out to not get you in trouble you know kind of thing to bury stuff like i just don't care um and and so
0: i think that one was also a lot shorter too this is like a good 20 pages
2: yeah um and and i'll be honest i don't know if i even read all all 20 of those pages. I think I might've skipped ahead on this one um, because it just it just didn't work for me. And it was, I would rather, if we're going to have something bureaucratic, I'd rather it be the political dynamic um, that is more influential um, than just these two Imperials. The big thing is it's Imperials that I don't know that are playing this chess game where... You don't really have context for the chess game that they're playing because you don't know enough about those characters, or you you don't care enough about those characters. Whereas you know, if you wanted to tell the story, have characters that we we know. You know, like this would have been a cool place to bring in Ray Sloan. Okay, now I'm invested in it. That could have been interesting or whatever. You know, so that's why this one really just it didn't work for me. Um, and if yeah. It falls flat, so. Uh, I guess let's take that to to our number one, and Lindsay, that sends it back to you.
0: Uh, My friend, I really think we are going to have the same number one. Tell me if I'm right. Is your number one "Step" by Daniel Jose Older?
2: It is.
0: How'd I guess? How'd I guess? Uh, You know, you know we love him just as a person. And we really want to get into all of his stuff, but this just did not captivate me for any reason. Whether it's the characters, the format, like I, I felt like I was reading a textbook during it.
2: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say textbook. I do want to. I do want to echo your statement before I jump into into that and just say like, yes, I. I love Daniel Jose older like he seems like he's a, a really great dude um and and I am 100% behind them giving leeway to write different kinds of Star Wars peop- uh, stories you know like I want I want risky storytelling even if I don't like it I want people telling their Yeah and he of takes Star on Wars.
0: voices really well. Yeah,
2: like he what he does, he does really well. He does like excellently and, and that is like last shot is like some people's favorite book and that's awesome like that's that's great and i want it to be um and so just since we are going to critique this as our number one i want to just make sure that's said because i really do like daniel jose older and i really do like that they are bringing him back in regularly i think he i think he understands how to um kind of keep the fun in Star Wars. It's not this it's not necessarily even the stories that he tells, it's just that his writing style hasn't clicked for me yet. So I'm I'm hoping, you know, High Republic is going to do that for me because every time I I get something new from him, I'm excited because I really do like you said Lindsay, I really do want to like his stuff because I think he's really something special just as a writer but also something unique in Star Wars which I which I want. But yeah. For yeah. Me.
0: And I mean, I hope, too, we, we get a little bit more consistency with it as well, because there are other authors like Kurt Vonnegut, I think, is the perfect example of when you first read anything by Kurt Vonnegut, it's going to take you like 50 pages to understand his style and his voice and what he's doing. But once you do that with one Kurt Vonnegut book, you can pick up any other one and it's going to be consistent all the way through. The stories and the characters are obviously different but he keeps that same style with Daniel Jose older. It's kind of this reacclimation period. And I, I'm excited for once he has that consistency and I can pick anything up by him and just dive right into the story.
2: Yeah. And and I think that was part of the reason that I wasn't really too into the story was it was such a diversion from everything else that it was like, there wasn't enough time maybe to recalibrate because like obviously, we were gonna get every single bounty hunter uh, in this book. Like, there's no way they were gonna write this without all of those bounty hunters. Um, and I think something that that does kind of hurt this is the other ones are focused more your protagonist or antagonist, depending on what point of view you look at it from, are those bounty hunters. Whereas here, Forlam and Zuckus are kind of their side characters. Um, and you're kind of focused on this like weird situation with uh the author of of this article where he's a journalist but also part of a cartel and he works the newspaper does or doesn't work for said cartel. It's it's just a weird dynamic. Um, that like it's hard to to grasp enough to be able to get that and the plot for me. Um, And honestly, like it kind of, here's the thing. I feel like it halfway does everything. It halfway does a news article, but it's not written like one. It halfway does a narrative, but it's not written like one. It's half about these two bounty hunters and half about this writer, but it doesn't develop them equally or even, honestly, in my opinion, that well. Um, it's half satirical, but I don't think it's supposed to be a satire. So that's, I think, what kind of didn't work for me is there's, there's it was just too much of here's all these things, and I don't have enough time to digest all of those things. And also, I'm jumping around on the page because I'm having to look at this editing and also the article, and I'm having to keep so many points of view and maybe i'm just an idiot who knows but it was just it, it was hard to to keep track of anything and so then i wasn't invested as much in the characters and when you've got again a lot of these books or a lot of these ones for me that are on my bottom 3 are ones that like they get hurt by the being surrounded by other really great st- stories that i enjoyed more um and and i think the other bounty hunter stories here kind of hurt this one do you feel the same way lindsay
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good way to put it. It almost feels like he was auditioning to get a larger story and had all these ideas for what he could do with that and tried to condense it into a short story where everything else really felt like it was written with a short story in mind.
2: Yeah, yeah, like this is almost like a setup story. Like it was setting up you know other stories that we
0: yeah yeah that is i think that is how i would describe it but like a a poorly done setup story
2: (laughs) zach what about you where do you come down on uh on this story and kind of daniel jose older overall are you into his stuff or not
1: i'm not gonna lie i had i didn't finish last shot um i need to give it I need to check it out. I think I got through a little bit of it. Um with the Audible, I think it's like half Mark Thompson and half him reading yeah. it.
0: It and it changes his portion based on the time of it a lot. Lo-
1: yeah, and I I just I couldn't get into his the voiceover work on it just because it it just when you have one, I mean, I get what they were going for and it's not his fault, but it's really like it just kind of felt jarring, so I didn't continue with it. This one, I honestly, I don't, I don't even really remember. So it, it, it didn't make, it didn't make my bad list because it didn't stand out. It just kind of fell a little flat. And honestly, like when I hear a droid chapter, for the most part, I'm like, okay. Now that being said, there's uh, not on my list, but Faith is an old friend, which is about L three three seven that's a phenomenal chapter i really like like that l3 chapter um but normally it's it's you're really you're going bold if you're going to go with a droid chapter for these as a writer because they're really hard to sell yeah that's fair now i will
2: say daniel jose older come on the show tell us why we were wrong because i want to be wrong I want to be wrong so bad. Uh, so please uh, let let us know. And and you guys at home, if you love his stuff and you've got a perspective that you think can change, a, you know, Lindsay and-, and Zach and I's opinion on and-, and get us more involved with him as a writer, please, like, let us know because that's, that's kind of what-, what we're all about, what Clashing Sabers is all about, is like, let's bring these different points of view and, and kind of try to understand these stories in different ways. And so I think as we... <laughs> I was going to
0: say, we know we're stupid. Make us less stupid. Yeah, make, us,
2: make, make me dumb less. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into our top three uh, because I want to I talk about how, the stuff that I like on this book. Um, I'm very excited about this. And um, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'll go ahead and start. Um, my number three is Virgins, uh, which is the cave story by Tracy Dion. Um I'm not going to lie, like, I knew I was getting a cave story. I was really anxious about it because I didn't know how they were going to execute this very effectively because I just figured, oh, we'll get one of the creatures, you know, the lizard or whatever, um, the snake that he, you know, Luke moves out of the way. And I didn't really like the creature stories in in A New Hope, certain point of view. So uh, I think writing the story from the the cave's perspective was... Not something I considered. Uh, I well, actually, I did. Uh, I, I'll I'll say I considered it to be too outlandish. Like it wasn't even on the list of possibilities, and uh, I was wrong. I was wrong, and um, I think that really emphasizes how effective um, I thought this story was. That I went from being anxious from the story uh, uh, about the story to now I want. I want the cave's perspective of what happens in the Snoke comic uh, when Kylo Ren and Snoke go to Dagobah. I want I want that story really bad. So um, hopefully we get that sometime in the future. But I like this idea of the dark side giving consciousness to the cave, um, and in a way, for me, and I think like again, you know, your own perspective kind of affects how much you like the story. I made the connection of the the consciousness of the dark side building the cave into this actual being as a link to Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker and the dark side rebuilding Palpatine. Um that like it's not this uh, snap and you're there situation because that's not how the dark side works. But there are are these breaking points like Anakin in Palpatine's office where the dark side corruption just kind of comes to fruition, uh, which is kind of where the cave is at in, uh, in empire strikes back. And yeah, I just, I, I really, I'm really shook by the fact that
0: this was, this was my number two.
2: Was it? Okay. I
0: yeah. I love this one. And I really liked it because I mean, it, Um, Look at us go I mean, Zach, I don't know about you But you and I, we are so similar In the sense that we do like We talk about this all the time That mythical, that religious aspect to Star Wars We even already discussed it tonight But this, I feel like, did it in such a unique way So I like this subject matter itself I also just like when things challenge me This was a challenging read Not because it was bad but because it was so thought provoking, you know, it took me a hot minute to realize what was going on and that it was that perspective. And then once I realized that it was like, I had to immediately go back and just reappreciate everything. So this is easily my number two.
1: And furthermore, like when you, when you break it down, like if, if somebody was like, Oh, what's that chapter about? It's like, yo bro, turns out the cave had a mind of its own and they're like, eh, all right, that's cool. And it's like, but when you actually uh, listen to the chapter, read the chapter, it's done very, very well. Because you can say, you know, the cave has a mind of its own. And it's like, okay, I've seen that in like every horror, you know, story ever. And it had a depth to it. The cave had a relationship with the planet that wasn't cheesy or dumb. It, It was very complicated, but very deep. And specifically what really sold me on this was the cave's point of view of Yoda and how like there was a mutual, the the way I got it was there was a mutual respect and he, he respected Yoda, but wanted him to taste his fear, but he respected that he stayed away and Yoda staying away from the cave for multiple reasons. Uh, obviously we know he's a wise Jedi master, But it just goes to show how much knowledge Yoda really does have by staying away, by keeping his distance, by showing up at the right time when he needed to, to uh, further along Luke's story. Um, This was a beautiful chapter. It was very, very deep. And And the the, relationship...
2: The idea... No, I was just going to add on to your thing about Yoda. Like, the idea of him... like he stays away for times, but then, you know, the cave talks about how he, he went back and he kept coming back over and over again. Um, which to me is like, one, it's a direct link from clone wars and, and his arc that he goes on in season six, where he has to confront his darkness. Uh, I think he's, he's learned that there, there is a continual process. You always have to continue to confront the dark side. Um, And so when he says, now when he says, you know, to Luke, only what you take with you, it's not like a one-time thing for him. He's had to take his baggage in there over and over again. And if anybody has baggage, like, it's Yoda. And so I I am fascinated by the ideas of of Jedi going on these exiles. Um, You know, you have it with Obi-Wan and Yoda, and we don't really know much of what happened there. And I kind of like that because I am very adamant about the idea that, like, they weren't out doing Jedi things like we would think about them. They were sitting and reflecting. They were learning from their mistakes. They were, you know, meditating, you know, Obi-Wan learning from Qui-Gon, those kind of things. And so you see when you go from the prequels Yoda to Empire Strikes Back Yoda, like, yes, Empire Strikes Back Yoda has that humor, but there's a. much more of an air of gravitas and maturity to the Empire Strikes Back Yoda. And that's, I think, because of what goes on here with him continuing to confront that dark side cape. And if you think about, honestly, how ballsy it was, because like part of the reason he's on Dagobah is because he's trying to hide in how much force energy there there is, you know, it would be harder to discover him. But if you think about this cave as like the nexus or a nexus rather of the dark side on this planet, like it's gotta be sending a signal out there. Like Palpatine's gotta be like, that's weird. You know, like it's pretty ballsy for yeah. him to, you know, walk right into the darkness. Um, but also like it gives me a lot more of a, a respect for Yoda. Um, that he continued to confront that darkness because i think other if he were to do anything less than you know him coming back in last jedi and telling luke to learn from his failures is is hypocritical because you know yoda wouldn't really have that's the only way he could have is if he continued to to challenge himself and learn from his mistakes and not just say i was wrong and move on but i was wrong and how can i become better from that Uh, you know, that's, that's the meaning of the greatest teacher failure is. So it was a great story. I
0: I mean, I will say, as we're talking about Yoda, even though, uh, virgins is my number two, the first lesson is actually my number three for all of those reasons. I really like getting to see that different kind of more mature, which is weird thing to say about a 900 year old being, but I like that kind of more mature side of Yoda realizing, okay, these are the things you know, I've learned and this is how I'm going to pass it down. That's
2: yeah. my number two. Look at us, guys. Ooh, <laughs> we're just like tossing <laughs> it up and slamming it down. Do we all? I knew
1: there I was going to be so much crossover with these tops. Is, so it's not. I mean, yeah, I don't so have everybody the knows lesson my number on one. there. but I love the depth of Yoda.
2: Yeah. Well, tell us about it. Don't you just sit there and tease us.
1: I am so fascinated with Yoda uh, specifically where his head's at from the time we leave him revenge of the Sith um, to uh, you know, empire and return of the Jedi. There's so much knowledge there. And I think we're going to learn more of the stories, but he's not only watched his entire order fall, but he's had a legacy of people he's trained and watched die. But now these people are getting, Uh, they got murdered and you know by a student of their own and going to a planet of darkness when you're dealing with such darkness is is very bold and i just i've always been fascinated by the tragedy of yoda and obi-wan because i i i know that there's such a depth that the movies couldn't possibly tell which makes it so rich for for writing um and I've always like I've always said that Yoda's very stiff in the prequels like he's not as deep as you want him to be but then when you get to the like last couple scenes of him in Revenge of the Sith and he's like much to learn, you still have you know more training. he goes along the lines of like we need to change our ways, we need to you know basically up with the times. I want to know what he feels he did wrong and that's immediately like in Revenge of the Sith when he starts talking about stuff like that, And Qui-Gon, that's when I start really getting interested in Yoda as a character. It's pretty much post-Revenge of the Sith on. That's where my interest for Yoda really grows. Because he is a leader who failed. And he's still fighting. And he deals with the turmoil just like everybody else does. But the way he deals with it is much different than Obi-Wan's. Obi-Wan's got like, like... guilt and and yoda's got guilt too but it just feels different i don't know if that makes any sense it does and i mean it
2: it it even feels different in the chapters with them you know in in obi-wan's chapter it's yeah there's there's more of the the regret is haunting him you know it's like it's i think it it the singular regret is is anakin for obi-wan right like that's his his focal point in terms of, like, letting the galaxy down. And because the 30 years or 20 years, however long it was, from, you know, the end of Revenge of the Sith to where we're at in Empire Strikes Back, that's a, a, you know, quarter of a human lifespan or so. It's, like, a tenth of of Yoda's life. So, not even, you know. Um, So, I, I think Yoda has more of an ability to look at the actual bigger picture and not just the bigger picture of just his life. But then also, you know, like you said, Sam, there's there's something missing with prequel Yoda. It's like you can tell he's wise, but he's not the same. He doesn't have that same uh, wizened uh, Jedi Master that we have in Empire Strikes Back. And I think both of these stories do a good job of showing you how his perspective has changed and how as a result, his influence on Luke is gonna change um, you know and and how we even get a little bit of Luke you know going, oh man, maybe maybe Master Yoda was right. So there's a lot of interesting stuff surrounding like how you get from that point A to point B. And so I like having I, I, I want a, a lot of mystery kept with it. Because I want it to be like, how did that happen? How do we become that? And that be a discussion point. But at the same time, getting stuff like this in little sprinkles is is really good. Um, so I think that covers both of y'all's two and three, right? Yep. Okay. So then that puts me at number two, which is going to go back to one that was brought up earlier which is Faith in an Old Friend, which is the L3 chapter by uh, Brittany Williams. Nice. And yeah, I, I really like this one. Um, it actually started as my number three, but then moved up once I started taking notes because I just really, really adore this story. And I want to point out, like, before getting into like why I really like this story, that L3 in the... Books and in the movies is portrayed very, very differently, and um, L three is much more. Um, I don't want to say flushed out, but you could, you can tell that women were writing L three stories. Let's put it that way. You, there's more of a, it's more natural than it is in the movies, where you get awkward scenes of two girls t- sitting in a cockpit talking about. What boys they're going to sleep with? Not good. L three in the books, really good. And in this story, um, we get more of that. We get more of what we got in the solo book of her like integrating into the Falcon, um, and that's just that's just really cool to me. And it's something that we were missing in the film. And for me, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier with like this idea of the religious side of Star Wars, to me, this this story makes the Falcon. a a holy artifact in the narrative by having like these to me these three droids that are also one is a direct allusion um to the the trinity of father son and holy spirit like i don't think it's a direct like one-to-one but i don't think you can have in the modern world three beings that are also one not be connected to the idea of um religion you know i like i said i don't think it's directly saying like star wars supports christianity necessarily um or doesn't i'm just saying like there's that direct illusion there and that works really well on a meta level because for so many of us an important part of star wars is the religion um and star wars in some ways is our religion if you will and now in universe you have this idea of the ship being more than just this old ship that gets you know made fun of for being a hunk of junk, but also made it through um, all this stuff. It, it really is. It's like the Falcon was chosen by the Force uh, in a way, you know, by having these three droid brains in them. And we finally get Lando and L three connecting on the Falcon, which was tragically missing from Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so. Obviously, like that's not something that we could have gotten in uh, in Empire Strikes Back, but I'm glad that we got it here. Uh, I think it worked worked really, really well. And aside from all that, just to kind of close out, because I know I'm rambling here, it's just a lot of fun. L three is hilarious. The dynamic between the three droid brains really works, and. I really love the fact that the Falcon was not just a means of escape for the crew, but actually had a, a role in the success. You know, um, it had a consciousness that made decisions to help them get away from the empire, which again, to me goes back to that idea of it being chosen by the force, uh, in this case to protect these characters that would bring balance. And, um, it was cool to see L3 and R2 have a little talk and, uh, Ignore 3PO complaining in the background because he wasn't getting his way. So I think, I think Brittany Williams did a absolutely fantastic job on this. It hit on every single level for me, and if we do not get her back with a story of her own, um, it is a, a, a complete and utter failure, because this is
0: Yeah, the, the I hope story. we see more from her. I think we will. It was so good.
2: It was so good like it and and I'm not a droid guy, like I don't really get into droid stories that much, so to have me invested on a story level, a character level, a nostalgia level, a ooh, this enhances the other story for me, like that's a it's a lot of stuff going on in fifteen pages,
0: yeah, uh, right, yeah, and it's it's just fun too because l three really is a character that has so much potential but is probably the easiest one to go wrong with. Yeah. And this this did it perfectly.
1: It did. I love it. Yeah, I'm I definitely like this chapter a lot and I like I said I I normally don't really care for the droid chapters. Um but I think it's also the personality of L3 is so wild from different droids. You have your HK47 um in the old Republic that's like very die meatbag die which is amazing, and you got um, you got plenty of different droid personalities in Star Wars, but there's like, I don't know, I just find, I just, the humor, the way her droid brain works, it works, and I do agree with you, I think it adds to the, the special, the, uh, the uniqueness of the Falcon, and why the Falcon is the Falcon. And I think it, you know, Solo is riddled with a lot of things, that even though I love the film, it's a lot of fun. Um, there was a lot of like little canon connections, like, what's your last name? Solo. You know, there was a lot of things that I just didn't really, it just felt like really forced. And L3 going into the Falcon was something I actually really, really loved because it gives the Falcon a personality and I actually got to see. Part of the Falcon become the Falcon. It was it was one of the things that I really really loved that they kind of added that solo added to the game and the fact that we got more L three is great.
2: And the the idea like one it was kind of a letdown that we don't get any other reference in there of L three after she helps them out of the um, the maw or whatever. But also like L three built herself. And then also, in a way, built the Falcon's brain. Like, it's just this cool idea of, like, who's the create. You know, this is something that Mer Lafferty gets into in um, the the solo novelization of, like, who is the maker? Oh, no. No, actually, I think this is Daniel Jose Older in Last Shot, actually. Shout out Daniel Jose Older. Getting into, like, this part of L3 with who's the maker and what really, you know, to what do we owe... That person or that thing and at what point do we make ourselves it's just this really interesting dynamic of um what makes us who we are and that's fascinating and and it it, like you said it's it's cool zach you know you mentioned having all these different kinds of droids but then also when these droids interact and not just like have cameos here or there or like r2 and 3po and rebels but they actually like interacted a way that is impactful in the larger scheme of the story is is pretty cool so all right guys let's take it to our number ones zach you haven't talked in a minute so i'm gonna let you go first on this one what was your Does favorite Does anybody want to
1: guess what my number one is i hey, i i think we might have
0: I all like had the same this.
1: number one. Oh, i can guarantee might not. You we don't well, is I,
0: it there's always another
1: nope my favorite one <laughs> is Disturbance uh, yeah. by Mike. Oh, Penn. I should have um, guessed
0: that. I'm an idiot. Of course.
1: <laughs> <no>. <laughs> of course. Uh, the Lord of Lore will always go evil. You know, s- most mornings I wake up, cup of coffee, and I whisper the Sith code to myself. Um, I loved this. So this was the f- I mean, there are m- many great chapters Um, in this in this whole series This one took my attention immediately because like, when you get to these, you're like, okay, I don't know anything about these characters. You got to like kind of learn if you like it, if it's interesting, if it pulls you in. It still takes a second. This one immediately pulled me in because always, I mean, I'm fascinated by the dark side. I'm fascinated by Darth Sidious. Right now, I'm currently listening to Darth Plagueis for like the 50 millionth time after binging the Bane trilogy. Um, There's a fascination to the mind of a Sith Lord. Um, and I always wanted to know what Palpatine was thinking during these events, because he's not really in this film. This It's not even about like, oh, we got a big character and that's why I like it. No, I actually, un- like he was putting the pieces together. This is something that I've always wanted to know. And I think, you know, had George Lucas um, had a little bit more I I think if he could make a crazy special cut that actually worked, he would sprinkle in a little bit more of what's going on with Palpatine because when they were making this film, he wasn't very developed until Return of the Jedi as far as like production and what he was planning on doing. And this really changes a lot of the story for Empire Strikes Back for me because I'm always going to be watching these events thinking about Palpatine on Coruscant and Anakin, you know, but he's not Anakin or I mean, uh, Darth Vader, but he's not Darth Vader. He's Anakin, but the sun could kill him. It was just, it was so mafia. Like it was like the end of a mafia movie where they explain all these different things and these different avenues of how they, it, it's like a heist explanation, but with multiple different ways, it's almost confusing, but it's not. And it ties together, but it's open-ended and it's it's perfect because what I love about Palpatine is he's always calculating. And there's mul- he, he understands that the Force has multiple avenues in which it can go. And what I respect about Palpatine is different from the Jedi. He doesn't just say, well, you know, we're going to trust in the Force. He's like, all right, I see all these different things happening, and I'm going to create plans for all of them. And it's, it's just so, he's, he's the ultimate mastermind. I mean, even in Darth Plagueis, the book, you, you understand, like, Darth Plagueis says, you know, we're going to change the Sith from people who are brute force to political, um, to political leaders, to people that are adjusting the politics. Instead of leading by brute force with the rule of two, we're going to... Become businessmen, politicians. We're going to run them where it counts. And Palpatine doubles down on that. Um, even though Darth Plagueis isn't canon, you always pick up um, the level of, e- even in the Clone Wars, just the level of. Um, the level wow i really brainfrogged the level he goes to with everything is so detailed and it's so dark it's so shady it's so dirty but it's so detailed he's got his hands in everything there's not a missed detail he's almost like your greatest accountant and i lo- I, I love i love palpatine in this way of him just this this entire um chapter just throws in all these different connections it just it messes with my mind like even talking about it
2: yeah because it's like you the thing with palpatine is you always know what's going on but you also don't know what is going on like you you know what the basic plan is but you have no idea how he really is making this all come together which is you know one thing that makes it so rich for storytelling like we get in clone wars where you can kind of see this develop uh you know in the long the the slow burn if you will um but yeah this story works really well because you get like you know what's up you know where this goes you know where it leads but also there's that mystery of do i really know what's going on or in this weird way is palpatine manipulating me to make me think i know what's going on you know it's like this is vicious cycle he kind of sets you up in which is um yeah it makes it really really interesting and getting more about him like that's one of the things that was was really cool about like shadows of the empire back in the days you got more of palpatine it was just a little bit but you got more of palpatine in the empire strikes back kind of time uh and his machinations and his plotting and things like that so yeah it's not my top but it was it was a great story absolutely Lindsay. what's it what's top of your list
0: I mean, it was There Is Always Another, and that's because it has the, you know, the force elements and everything, but this story just nailed Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think it just, it got the humor, it got the gravitas that we need. It was, it was absolutely perfect, and I was so shocked, because I, give me a second, because I want to double-check who the author is, but I'm pretty sure it's an author who was their first foray into if not Star Wars completely at least Star Wars kind of like adult writing. I don't know if they've it's done McKenzie any kid Lee. stuff or any comics. Is that and that's a new name for yeah, me. Has new. she done anything else with Star Wars? N-
2: not that I know. I don't think so. I mean, it would have to be something yeah. very very obscure.
0: Yeah. Or, no, but to have this work. be nothing. Yeah, so to have this be her entry point and be able to take probably the most complex character just because it's been around the longest and we've seen him through so many iterations and just get the voice so well where i really did kind of chuckle throughout reading it but at the same time it was it felt important and it felt like a big big story without feeling heavy or hard to get through by any means
2: and it it felt good that you know uh obi-wan was still thinking about anakin and the mistakes that he'd made with anakin but you could also tell yeah. he wasn't thinking about it in like not that he was like a woe it. is me kind of like yeah he wasn't like still still sulking about it or he didn't feel like okay i messed up this one time so i can't do it right the next time no it was Again, going back, the greatest. There was an year acceptance
0: is, to it. Yeah, and
2: accepted it, and he was applying it to how he was uh, handling Luke and, and approaching his his training of Luke. Because you know, even though he is yeah. you know not physically there in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, like I, he he still trains Luke in in a very real way, and so to, to see him doing that and considering those things that have come before. In a way, to me, like this kind of like it melded the prequels Obi Wan and the uh original trilogy Obi Wan, uh, really naturally, you know, like how
0: it made me really excited. And I mean, I'm already really excited, but it made me even more excited for the Kenobi show because I'm so interested now in how did we get here, and I think this story kind of shows like there there is this connection here because he didn't lose his whole sense of humor he can take things lightly and with love and care and compassion but still understand the importance of it and have that acceptance
2: and what role did Qui-Gon have in getting him to that point right because like he undergoes training there and that's being able to kind of brush things off and let things go is something that Qui-Gon does really well you know he doesn't dwell or take too seriously the things that don't matter, you know, because there's too much stuff that does matter. And so I think you kind of get that dynamic a little bit more with Obi-Wan here, which is pretty cool.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think, I think the relationship, this really brought me into multiple levels of Obi-Wan's, uh, psyche. And I, I, I'm kind of a broken record when it comes to a certain point of view and wanting to learn the psyche of the Jedi and the Sith Lords. But that's like kind of why I show up for these books. So if I sound like a broken record, it's because I am like, I'm generally more interested in, I I like the small stories a lot. And I would say that there's a lot better, smaller stories in there that didn't even make my list that are honorable mentions. Uh, There's plenty of those just great chapters, but um, I'm generally here to, to kind of get into their mind and when i can do that and it's well written it's something special
2: and i think i think that this definitely qualifies on so many levels for that um honestly like both of y'all's were were pretty good pretty good number ones but you were wrong because the best story in this book is she will keep them warm by delilah s dawson
0: Please
2: be kidding. No, I'm 100% serious. Please be kidding. I'm 100% serious. No. Yes. Oh, man, I'm
0: sorry. No. This is why everything was reserved. I knew you couldn't hold your tongue.
2: Delilah Dawson, you know me so well, is a master of setting up the juxtaposition of characters with their their wants and their needs in a really complicated and engaging way. And she 100% does that here uh, Mira or Mira as how I pronounced her name, who's the the main Tauntaun in the story. She has this need to protect her family because she's the matriarch, but she wants to run free because that's her nature. And yet there's this underlying feeling that she understands why the rebels need her and the rest and the rest of the Tauntauns like, (sighs) To me, it's like they're like a dog being able to sense when you're scared or anxious, which is kind of like what my dog does for me. Like, he can't consciously identify why I need him. He just knows that I need him. And to me, that's really, really cool. And it sets up, for these characters, it sets up this interesting push-pull, I think, um, at least metaphorically, between the rebellion and why they're fighting in the first place. And, like sure, the Empire are bad guys and they should be stopped, but why? Why go through all this struggle? Why have all these people give their lives? Why go through all that struggle when you know the chance of dying is really, really high and at the end of the day, it's for your kin, it's for your tribe, it's for the next generation so that those kids can have a better life? Uh, and to me, just my, my metaphor brain was going all over the place uh, with this one and I won't lie like the the moment that makes this story is how it ends. Like I don't know another author who could so effectively make a joke, a gut punch, uh, give an emotional close to the moment, uh, foreshadow, allude to other stuff and make an effective uh, conclusion and metaphor. Nobody else can do that other than Delilah S. Dawson with literally, she will keep them warm. It hurts so good. Um, And for me, it was the most emotional, impactful part of this book. And it delivers... That one line just delivers in a way that, that none of the other stories were able to touch afterwards. So... Yeah, I did not expect it okay, to be my number 1. But like but you
0: read you you read disturbance and you read there's always another, right? I like you you read them.
2: 100% read them. Yes, I 100% read them. They are much more my kind of stories. They are much more um important to the overall story of Star Wars. 100% agree that one of those should be on my list,
1: but listen, I w- I'm gonna say really that uh, right, and I'm I'm not gonna comment any more of my critiques of this because the way you explained it was really good. Um, I, I it's just it literally it just wasn't you know it wasn't for me, and it's that's and that's a thing. It's not, not a, a story that thing. would be
2: for me normally either. Like I literally. Couldn't care less about the Tontons, and now I'm like, she gave her life for them. Like it's just, I don't know. To me, it was very, very layered um, in a way that the other stories didn't hit as as well in terms of like.
1: But do you need that kind of guilt when you're watching Empire Strikes Back? Like, do you really yes, want to feel yes, like I do? You I want really want to let that door open. I want you the want pain. the pain of like want, the random oh, Tontons, oh, just pain. getting blown up.
2: Give me all the pain.
1: It's terrible.
2: All the tragedy, all the agony. I'm a glutton for punishment.
0: I just can't believe you're... I'm still digesting that you were serious, that that was your number one. Yeah. But, like, I mean, great defense, beautiful defense of it. Can't argue any of the points that you made, but, like, it's your number one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean... I am as surprised as you are, but it's the one that didn't move. Like, there were other things that came in and out of this list.
0: (laughs) You do not sound as surprised as I (laughs) am. I
2: mean, I've had some time to sit with it. Like, I literally, what I did when I was making this list is I, like, went through each with post-its, and if it, like, could make my top list, I put the post-it at the top. If it could make my bottom list, I put a post-it at the bottom. And if it wasn't, then I just didn't put a post-it. And there were a lot in the top. Uh, Disturbance was there um the uh yoda the 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 first lesson was there but like at the end of the day there's just something about these stories and this one in particular that just it gave me what i wanted in terms of um telling me a story on hoth that i didn't know that i couldn't have gotten anywhere else but also speaking to uh, the the greater themes that are being presented in that particular part of the story. So I'm one hundred percent not kidding, and I completely understand that I am in the minority about having this anywhere near the top of of the book. But yes, I loved it.
1: But you also have to understand, Lindsay's been hanging out with the Sith Talk Boys for a <laughs> while now, and I think some of that dark side energy is now it's rubbing off on. It's contagious. Her. She's becoming... It is. It's very contagious. Becoming a
2: cynic. We have to balance it out now. We got to have more uh, light and dark going on here.
1: Well, nothing was more fun than... We were on Sith Talk talking about the Mandalorian. She was like, I actually have some complaints. And I was like, oh, all right. Get into it. Like, come on. Have a drink. Let's talk about it. That's uh, that's what makes all this fun,
2: you know? Like... Attack of the Clones Absolutely. is some people's favorite movie, guys. Like, it's great. I love it. I love it. And that's what we are all about is uh, looking at those certain point of views, if you will. Uh, and when Return of the Jedi, a certain point of view comes out in what, like, whether well, that would be like three or four years, then uh, we'll be here to talk about why the Sarlacc chapter is the worst. And I'm putting that in writing right now. But until then, you can hear all of our stuff, whether it's Sith talk or Clashing Sabres, Starships, Forever Star Wars. And of course, don't burn the sacred text right here on the network. You just had to click that little subscribe button and you will be good to go on whatever podcatcher you are listening to. And you will want to stay tuned. Uh, You will want to check out show notes and all of our social medias, uh, which are all linked in the show notes, because we will be putting links for our fundraiser where you can uh, purchase entries to win some really great, unique, one of a kind um, Star Wars collectible items and The cool thing is uh, you can get it for, you know, $10, which is not something that you can get in other places. So make sure you stay tuned for the return of reading, and uh, we will be back with more information on that. Until then, Lindsay, if they wanted to find you, where can they find you at?
0: You guys can find me. I will be re-entering the internet just for this fundraiser to make sure that it is... Absolutely as successful as we uh, expect it to be just because there are so many great things to win. Um, So you can find me on Twitter over at the Lady of Lore or in our Facebook group, Clashing Sabers.
2: And Zach had to run, but don't forget to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sith Talker 25. And um, we also have an Instagram that he's running at Clashing Sabers. So... Uh, Just a final note that we will have more information coming soon about our fundraiser, The Return of the Reader. But if you would like to support us regularly, check out our Patreon. We are going to be getting up more content there for you um, soon. 2020 got a little bit away from us, as it did everybody. But um, we are excited about what we have going on there. So until next time, keep reading, keep writing. But whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text.